Welcome back to Friends and Neighbors. I'm Benjamin Wagner, and this week, musicians Hayden Chance and Lily McCown. My 10th studio album, Constellations, is available now on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you stream music. When it came to throwing an album release worthy of the miles, sweat, and tears that went into making it, I knew I wanted to do something special, something vital, edgy, even a little bit dangerous. In college, my favorite rock shows were blurry, buzzy, glorified keggers, $3 red solo cups, a rickety attic, and a winning lineup of bands. By the end of the night, we were all playing together. The audience was on stage, and the bands were in the audience. This was never the way in New York City, where unless you were the Strokes or Interpol, you were slotted into 10 random 40-minute slots across the night. You didn't know who came before or after, and there was certainly no cross-pollination or collaboration, no synchronicity or serendipity. I began planning the Constellations album release in June, An attic, of course, wouldn't do, so I rented the city's hippest venue, the Queen, for the whole night. I asked around for the best gigging musicians, building a shortlist of recos from guys like Out and About Magazine's Jim Miller and Newcastle Music Calendar's Bill Calderhead. Remarkably, my top three, drummer Larry Scotton, bassist Samuel Nobles, and guitarist Ishmael Abdul-Salam, local legends all, said yes. The past few rehearsals are the first time I've played with a new band since the mid-aughts, and they are slamming. When it came to co-headliners, I googled, spotified, soundclouded, and scoured WXPN's The Key and WDEL's Hometown Heroes. I was listening for polish, sure, but also edge and freshness. I asked my two favorite acts if they'd like to join, and they also agreed. And you're going to meet them right now. Singer-songwriter Lily McCown grew up not far from where I went to high school, albeit 25 years later, in the Philadelphia suburbs. After an abbreviated run at art school, Lily dropped her debut LP, the somberly rockin' Backseat Driver, on Art Records in 2020. Hers is a witty, winning brand of alternative rock that beautifully captures the malaise and misdirection of being 20-something. Hayden Chance, who's performed simply as Chance since 2017, hails from Maryland's Eastern Shore. His electronic, psychedelic rock is handcrafted and fully realized, and it knocks me out. Part war on drugs, part Steely Dan, it's lush, rhythmic, melodic stuff. Hayden's dropped a handful of albums, EPs, and singles, toured coast to coast, and just recently got married. Though both have graduated to the national stage, neither are too far from those rickety attics packed with sweaty, pogoing kids. Their music is polished and pro and a little dangerous. In person, they're fresh and hungry and a little bit guileless. I loved getting to know them both a little bit better. And you will too, though maybe not nearly as much as you'll love hearing them at our big rock show at The Queen. My dad, he was in bands, so there was always like guitars around. My parents really liked music. 
my dad was really into Francis Donnery. This was like 2005, 2004, 2005. And like his album, Tall Blonde Helicopter uh-huh. was out. And I just like remember listening to that like every single day on the way to school. <laughs> I would make him like play it just like over and over. And he'd be like, you want to listen to something else? I'd be like, no. And uh, I'd just yeah. like keep listening to it. What was it? The guitar sound? Was it the melodies? Was it the the refrain, the hooks? Do you remember? I don't know. I just, I feel like I had nothing else to compare it to. I wasn't listening to like the lyrics or anything. It was more just like the feeling. They also listened to like Founds of Wayne. Yes. Well, this explains a lot to me. It's pretty like poppy, like, but that just like was the stuff I was gravitating towards. To a lot of people, pop is like Mariah Carey or Pappy kind of like right, super saccharine yeah. stuff. But I think like you mean melodic and like rhythmic. Yeah, and yeah. Like- yeah, because it's still like alternative music. I went to Dave and Buster's and my family. I was like playing that game. You like spin a wheel and like you get tickets. Yeah. And it just landed on like 20 tickets. And then the tickets just kept coming out. Until like the machine broke. Uh, And so next thing I knew, I had like thousands of tickets. And then of course, like I went to the prize box or whatever. And it's like, you know, it's just like junk, like all kinds of junk. But like, I remember I got this like iPod shuffle because it was like the top thing you could get. And I had all these tickets and I got the iPod shuffle. But it, you, you can only like have 20 songs because yeah. it's super tiny. But The little square one from back in the day. Yeah, the right? square yeah, one, yeah. yeah, yeah and it didn't yeah. even have like a screen or anything. You no, just, no, I You remember. just like put on a shuffle. It's almost accidental or like universal yeah. or karmic or something. That's great. And where was this? Did you grow up in Philly? Yeah, I grew up outside of Philly, like Ballackinwood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't far. I was down on the other side of Villanova by uh, Wayne, Paoli, Devin, Berlin. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. I love it. My dad grew up in Wayne, actually. Ah, no uh, kidding, dude. Yeah. If I went to high school with your dad, I'm going to slip yeah. my wrists. Wait, wait, where did you go to high school? <laughs> I went to Conestoga High School. Did he go oh, to Radnor? Okay. Yeah, he went to Radnor, yeah. Was art part of the conversation in your family or creativity? My dad, he had played music for a long time. My mom went to art school. She did graphic design, like stuff like that. We're like all artists, but my sister was also, she's still like an artist. That's how I got into like more newer music from my sister, cause she's six years older than me. What'd she turn you on to that kind of like sparked for you? Bright Eyes, uh-huh. Modest Mouse, uh-huh. Death Cab, Liz Fair, stuff like that. Oh, so, excellent. The elder siblings, they are good for that. She was always like playing music, but I always was like not really into it. I was in the sports for a long time. I played baseball. I played soccer. I played ice hockey. From age five to like 12, that was like all. Like I didn't, I I always liked music and I liked to sing, but like I didn't play music. When did that change and how come you think? It was just kind of like the thing you did. I guess I just thought like if to fit in, like you just play sports. I just decided one day, I was like, I want to play ice hockey for some reason. And girls were allowed to play, but I showed up like the first day and it's just like, I'm 10 years old. It's like all these 10 year old boys of like their dads. And I'm just like, they're my mom. And I just remember like the coach pulled my mom aside and was like, she can't be in here. Like she can't change in here. So like from day one, I was just like alienated. Yeah. I don't know. I still did it. That's interesting. Cause there's a, 
I don't know how quite how to characterize it, but there's a thread of otherness in your songwriting, which I think is true of a lot of songwriters, particularly contemplative yeah. and reflective ones. Was that part of the heartbreak around sports in a way? The idea that like, I mean, that for somebody to be like, she can't be here. Yeah, no, it's, it was not a good vibe. But like in school, I was just, I was always told like, you're not good enough. You can't do this. Uh, like yeah. I just had trouble like learning and I was in like remedial classes and stuff. It wasn't like a conscious thing. Yeah, of course, of course. I just like grew up and that's just how how it was. When did you discover the guitar and singing and songwriting is a way to, my hunch is that was a way to reconcile some of that, to create a safe yeah. space for yourself, something that you could own for you that nobody could F with. I guess I started playing guitar when I was like 12. I just decided I was like, I want to learn how to play guitar. Because <laughs> it was like guitars, like growing up, I would like, fake play guitar and my dad wanted me to learn but sure. I just it's like one of those things where you really need to be into it it's like you gotta develop your like calluses so when I was like 12 my dad taught me how to play um take it easy by Jackson yeah, Brown okay. that was the first sure. song yeah. I learned on guitar yeah. I mostly just like started writing songs after that probably when I was like 13 14 and I took guitar lessons but I don't know I just wasn't really into it I'm not really into like the theory yeah, me neither. I was just like, uh, like I want to write songs. It was more just like a vehicle like for writing. What is your experience inside of songwriting and recording? What happens in that experience in that time for you? People say it's like a religious experience, whatever. But like, it kind of is true to some extent. I've had times where like I write a song where it's just like, like it comes out. You're just like, how did that happen? Yeah. That's like why I kept going, I think. Let's talk about the record a teeny bit. First verse in Backseat Driver, man, is like really, really great lyrics. All the yellow lights, I want to speed right through them with a broken taillight and lighter fluid. Burn my good intentions and memory to a crisp. By the morning, I'll remember this. I mean, come on, dude. That's, that's an a, that is an A+. Plus. <laughs> Thanks. What's the origin story there? I think just like the first line I had in like a note on my phone. It was like the summer of 2019 I wrote it. I just think it's about like, you're just kind of confused, not knowing like what you want to do. I don't, I don't know, that doesn't make sense. But, uh, totally makes sense. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> I've got 30 years of songs like that. Come on. Um, <laughs> yeah, December 2019. There was this guy who, I think he has a label now, but he like, reached out to me and was going to sign me mm. and he's from Austin and he like flew to Philly yeah. and he met my producer Joe who's in a band called American Trappist they're really good we met with him and he was just like he turned out to be like this crazy guy and like yeah. he didn't know anyone he was all so, talk and a bunch of bluster yeah yeah, yeah 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 kind yeah. of was like oh we're gonna do this and that for you yeah. and then ultimately like he gave me this like really shitty contract and i like had like a lawyer look at it and like you like, can't sign this and he freaked yeah. out and like it just didn't work out 
And so is the song in relation to that frustration? Yeah, more of like a snapshot of that time. So Virginia's for lovers. I told you, I sent you an email. I was like, dude, that um, the lyric, oh, I wish I yeah, wrote yeah. that. <laughs> so good. Talk to me about that song. That song in particular, I wrote about like someone else. It's like being in a town that's just like everyone knows each other. Mm-hmm. There's kind of a theme like running with like the underdogs. Couldn't matter. In terms of the production, I heard all kinds of stuff. I heard like some Elliot Smith in the double vocals. I heard some Cure in one of the singles with the drum machine. I definitely heard some Nirvana and some chord choices in Metal yeah. and the Outlet. Yeah, usually it's like we'll have like a reference track and then I'll get freaked out because I'll be like, I used to be like really freaked out about like stealing a song. <laughs> but now I'm just like, I'm not as freaked out. We would like listen to other stuff. Modest Mouse, like if you're talking about B team, it kind of has like a modest mousey sound. So you figured out the fact that you can't possibly rip them off because as soon as you filter it through you, it's you. Right. Yeah. For a long time, I was like, I really like struggled. If, if I would write a song and it sounded like something else, I would just like, I would freak out. Like, yeah, I would be like, nope. I would just be like, try to make my song really weird. And now I'm just like, simp- I'm just trying to like simplify everything. Is there a moment when you've stood on stage or in the studio or, or in some context and been like, oh yeah, this is it. I have done it. It feels like I thought it was gonna feel. Last year, I opened for American Travis and there was probably like a few hundred people there. Yeah, That was the biggest crowd I'd ever played to. And I just remember being like, like the feeling of just like getting up on stage and like, I was like, oh, this is like, this is it. I'm really shy. I'm a shy person, but like, I feel like on stage, I don't know, it like goes away. back in the Wayback Machine and hear the first thing where you went, oh, wait, what's that? The first time would probably be on vacation down in Florida, going to Disney World and uh, just seeing a uh, performer playing like on the side of the street or something somewhere. And it was a it was a band. They were playing on the side of the, the road, kind of. I think they were playing a uh, Lenny Kravitz song or something. Oh. I, I just thought it was the coolest thing, but I, I had to have been like eight or something. But yeah, I remember that being pretty cool and uh, mind blowing at the time. And I'm originally from uh, the Eastern Shore of Maryland, about an hour or so away from where we are now. So definitely a very uh, rural area. Not much going on there. The Delaware music scene was uh, where my friends and everything had to go to play with people because we really didn't have that many uh, musicians in my school. So that was kind of our click that we had to step into to introduce ourselves and be like, hey, we're from 
half an hour away, but yeah. we don't have a music scene. This is what we're doing. Yeah. What was the vibe where you grew up? I did the whole, the sports thing when I was younger. So I was really wrapped up with that kind of thing. My dad was our coach for like pretty much any sport that we played. Uh, all right. And yeah. then I got into playing music uh, with the jazz band in high school. That uh, was really when I started playing, playing. I did snare drum in the concert band in middle school. That was kind of my first music thing that I did. I wanted to play the drum kit, but they didn't have drum kit yeah. as an option. So that was, I was like, well, I'll kind of learn how to yeah. play the, yeah, the proper uh, flam taps. Once my parents saw that I was semi-interested seriously, they uh, got me a drum kit for Christmas one year. Ooh. And that was the, uh, the start of that. <laughs> Just give me like the visceral reaction in that moment when you came down oh. the steps or whatever. I was freaking out for sure. For sure. It was a sonar, sonar kit, nothing crazy. It was ready to go. I didn't know what to do with it, really. But I was I was so pumped and uh, ready to learn. And my dad gave me uh, a list of songs to kind of like, I think they're simple drum songs. Like, uh, you should try these ones out. How was your dad hip to know that? Was music part of the household vibe? Not as far as being musicians, but they, they definitely enjoyed music. They were always playing music at home. Mm-hmm when we're cleaning the house or something, we always had music playing uh, a lot of the cars. All um, right. Yeah. A lot of rock stuff. You know, yeah. my dad played like the ACDC and all that stuff like that. It's a lot of air guitar when we're cleaning the house up and the, that kind of brought on a positive thing with music. So I've yeah. always been attached to it. When you started connecting to your own artists and your own songs, what were those? What started to light you up? Probably around like uh, 11th or 12th grade, I uh, started to get more into Zeppelin and a lot of guitar oriented stuff because I was just so interested in uh, the playing like uh, Clapton, the Cream. Yeah. When did you start adding instruments to your repertoire? I was kind of forced to learn guitar in junior year of high school because there was too many drummers ah. auditioning for the jazz band. So they were like, well, we, we need a guitar player, surprisingly. And I was like, well, I can't really play or whatever. He's like, well, it's a class, you know, you can, you can learn. I kind of stuck with that the most, but yeah. I can still play drums and keys and a little bit of everything to the point where I can like write and stuff. And what was the vibe in your high school? Was jazz band thumbs up? It was right down the middle. The, you know, there were some odd oddballs, I'm sure, in there, but uh, we all had fun. It was its own little uh, click, you could say. When did you begin to move into writing your own thing? That probably didn't happen until uh, after I graduated high school. I was super into the early pop punk. We were doing the warp Tour thing and all that stuff, Ooh. jumping around and everything. So I was super into that kind of thing. So once I found what I do with the chant stuff, as far as my singing goes, I feel like that's when I found what I should be doing with my vocals or yeah. to where it's, oh, okay, this is my sound. You know, right. that didn't happen until like 2000 or so. Tell me about your college experience with playing in bands. Around 2015, I had a... We started a uh, recording studio with me and my buddy, uh, Aaron Maloney. Him and I had been in bands since since we started seriously writing the pop punk kind of stuff. And that band was called Me Equals You. That was that was back in the day. But 
we were going all in on that stuff. We toured with uh, numerous bands. You got that econo-lined van life for a little bit? Yeah, we did. We did all that. Rest stop and, meals. Not oh, as yeah. sexy as, as it seemed, is it? I mean, it's kind of oh, grueling. No, no. Yeah, <laughs> it's fun though. We kind of slowly were changing our genre tastes, meshed into another group called uh, Wave Runner. And we did that for a number of years I started the chance stuff like in between us having the studio and Wave Runner and kind of decided like I really want to put my focus into my solo stuff because I feel like I need to put my attention. It yeah. just felt like that's what I needed to do. I, I really was uh, really proud of the stuff I was creating. So I went in that direction. We did a few, few tours. I got signed to Blossom Records out in L.A., did a tour out there for a little bit. Your songwriting process, like, does it come from a, a concept? Does it come from a lyric? Does it come from a sonic motif? Most of the time, it's uh, it's me creating the musical side of it. And that naturally usually tends to go towards me listening to those in the car on the way mm. to my job or whatever. Mm-hmm, and uh, mm-hmm. And then kind of feeling emotions off of what I was feeling when I was writing that. And then I write lyrics based off of that emotion. like Mellow Lane, Cosmos, Diamonds were, by the way, I got to say, I'm sure I don't know what the pedals were, but that kind of wah vocoder solo dude. Oh, Oh, that's tasty. (laughs) That is tasty. But you're like building worlds, like they're sonic worlds to me. How do you build them out? First, I'll usually do drums and then I'll do, either I'll sit there and mess around with the rhythm guitar or I'll just go straight to bass and just try to like find some kind of cool groove or rhythm. Then the rhythm guitar, then the lead guitar. Or after the rhythm guitar, I'll do like pads of some sort to yeah, kind of try to yeah. fill that space up a little bit to get it more comfortable in my ears. And yeah. then I'll usually the leads are the last thing where I kind of try to like sing with it a little bit. The drums first, it blows my mind. I do everything at home too. So it's like, yeah. I guess that's a little different too. Not everybody, I guess, even demos their own stuff. I, you know, I don't, do you do that at home? I couldn't do drums in here, but I could definitely do rhythm guitars. Everything and else, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It explains why the, your songs are so rhythmic and why the rhythms are so integral. It makes a lot of sense, you know? I'm interested in how that translates live. How difficult is it for you to sort of share the parts with the band? I try to give all, all the guys their space to be creative, uh, yeah. to improvise. There are certain parts that I feel like <laughs> that are the... Uh, Key to the motif. Or what whatever, do you want to yeah. say? Yeah, yeah. like a... Uh, the hook of the songs and yeah. stuff. I'll say like, maybe don't do that this part, but maybe do it here or something. Yeah. yeah but I, I try to give people, I know how it is, you know, you want to have fun too. So, I mean, there's a line you can draw and still be able to enjoy yourself. Sure. So is there a moment when you were like, you looked around and you're like, Oh hell yeah, I've done it. I have arrived. This is it. Success. Definitely. When we were doing the California thing and I felt like I, uh, had reached a point where I was like, people are caring enough about it to where they're like, okay, we can, 
they want us to play out there or something like that. Yeah, you know, people were connecting with it. But all to, all together, you know, just playing shows and just seeing people uh, singing along and stuff, or talking to people afterwards. That makes me happy. You know, that they're taking it with them or that they cared enough about it to where they felt like they uh, wanted to bring it home with them. Friends and Neighbors is an essential industries production in association with Wagner Brothers. Learn more at friendsandneighborsshow.com. And please help your friends and neighbors discover our show by sharing, liking, commenting, and rating. Really, it makes a difference. Mr. Rogers and Me is available on Apple TV, Amazon Prime, and PBS DVD. Until next time, it's a good feeling to know we're lifelong friends. <laughs>